to another episode of Small Town Big Business, a podcast about doing big business in small town USA. I'm your host, Allison Hassler with Southern Illinois Vacation Rentals, and our host, Russell Williams, is not with us today. He will be back very soon. I'd like to thank our sponsors for making this podcast happen. Fowler Heating and Cooling, Arcadia Wealth Management, Black Diamond, Harley-Davidson, and RV, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, Swinford Media Group, and Union Street Arts, and of course, Luke O'Neill, owner of Union Street Arts, that is the producer of this show. You can join the Small Town Big Business community wherever you listen to podcasts, including Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and Facebook. We're also live on YouTube. If you're new to our podcast, welcome and thank you for listening. Today, we are interviewing people that are helping our small businesses thrive in our small communities. And today, our guest is Dr. Deb Barnett, of the director of SIUC Business Incubator, and Jennifer Olson, director of business development at the City of Marion. Welcome, ladies. Thanks for having yeah, us. That's so a exciting to be here. <laughs> Now that we have all of that away, uh, thank you so much for being here today. So I'd already talked to you guys about be, this is a little bit differently because you are our first primary resources for small businesses that we're going to be talking about today. So I want to start with taking a step back of exactly what you do in your positions, and then we will do a deep dive into how you can support and your businesses and your programs can support the small businesses in Southern Illinois and elsewhere. So Deb, why don't we go first sure, with you? Sure, I'd be happy to start. So um, I have always lived in Southern Illinois, so I'm excited to help small businesses in this region. I work at Southern Illinois University Carbondale. We have a business incubator there, and then we also have several programs as part of that business incubator. And I won't talk about those now. I'll wait and talk about those as we go along. Um, but we support businesses all throughout the region. Awesome. So not limited to Carbondale? No, not at all limited to Carbondale. Um, the university itself supports the entire Southern Illinois region, and then some of our resources are limited to certain counties in the region. Um, <clears throat> but overall... Uh, we, we support any small business that needs help. Awesome. So we're going to go back to some of those programs and how they specifically can help and maybe give mm -hmm. some examples of how that happens. Absolutely. So, all right. And Jennifer. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Uh, so my role with the City of Marion is to kind of be the starting point when somebody says, I don't even know where to start when I'm thinking about a new business. And then from there, really be a single point navigator to connect them to different resources different services and just people if they just need to have a warm handoff to a person. So um, I, I kind of jokingly say I'm the Kevin Bacon, you know, and try to get them with the person yeah. that they need to <laughs> The meet. six degrees yes. of separation from, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I know that both of, I, I know both of you well, I consider you both friends and yes, you're both fantastic networkers with a huge portfolio of people that you can connect others with, which is excellent, especially in this area, uh, to be able to get people on the right foot. So I want to talk about some of the things that, um, some some of the struggles or the commonalities that you, you face when a new business comes to you and says, 
I have this idea, I don't really know what to do with it. So are there commonalities that you see in, uh, in what you see with those different industries? Yeah, and I'd be happy to start. Um, I think even before that, before they even get to us, um, the fact that they did get to us is the first step because so yeah. many times we find that businesses just aren't even aware of the services that are available to them. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, at Southern Illinois University Carbondale, we have a small business development center. Uh, there are four throughout the region. Uh, of course, one at SIU, uh, one at SIU Edwardsville, one at Southeastern Illinois College, and one at Shawnee Community College. And that is in Harrisburg and Olin, uh, respectively. Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, so they're all throughout Southern Illinois, and actually I think there are around 1,000 throughout the country. So no matter where someone um, has their business, uh, this is a resource that is available. And it's not only a resource, it's absolutely no cost associated with it, and it's confidential. So those are things that we're constantly trying to educate um, people on, whether they already own a small business, whether they just have an idea and they're just not sure what they, where they want to go with it or if they want to move forward with it, um, those services are definitely available. So once they do find out about us and come to us, I would say, and Jen, you might have a different answer to this, but I would say the most common question that we get is uh, what funding is available. Mm-hmm. Because businesses think that they need money to get started. And sometimes they do, but yeah. quite honestly, sometimes we just have to back up and ask the question, um, what do you need the money for? So let's kind of talk through that and see, um, do you really need those funds? Can you start in a little bit of a different way? Um, are there other resources that you can pull from and that sort of thing? Yeah. So I would say funding, they think, is the biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, we maybe see something a little bit different but I would say from the business standpoint, many times they say that is the biggest challenge. Sure. So um, I think I'm gonna go on the same line of thinking that you started with is just getting people to start with us. Yeah. Um, so many times they call it the economic development hierarchy, but they start with their banker, they start with commercial landlords, they do all these things. And then next thing we know, we hear that we're not a business-friendly community or we could be more business-friendly. I'm like, you didn't even start with us. We were like the fifth person you talked to. Or um, they you know, filled out a, a commercial sign application that I could have told them was not going to get approved. But they come, they filled it out, they paid a fee, they get really frustrated when it doesn't get approved because you know, in this particular scenario, there's a moratorium on that sign type. I could have saved them a lot of headache. So we just want to move our assistance up earlier in their decision tree so that they start with us. And I do think my first call from most people is about grants or other funding. And honestly, pre-COVID, I don't think it was as big of an issue. Mm -hmm. I think that there were some perceptions about some specialty niche dollars, like Mm -hmm. um, veteran-owned, women-owned maybe, but then COVID came and you had PPP and Idle and Shuttered Venue and business stabilization. And all of a sudden, for the first time in most people's business life, um, there was a plethora of dollars flowing to for-profit business. Well, that's drying up. 
Yeah. But the expectation is that, you know, there's going to be this continued financial support from the government for for-profit. And it's just really not there. Yeah, yeah. I, when I worked in a very similar role that you are now with the city, mine was more community-based versus develop, uh, business development-based, but I did get a few of those same phone calls of, you know, I'm starting a business, I'm looking for grants, and, you know, the more that we talk, the more that, you know, it, we have to gently remind people that that's not necessarily the way that grants work in general. So can you walk people through what what those typically do look like? And if there are funding, if there is funding out there, what are those um, types of funding? Um, well, there's not much, but there, mm-hmm. I mean, there are some niche things out there. Yeah. Like right now, you know, one of the issues that was illuminated by COVID is like supply chain and access mm-hmm. to local, you know, food sourcing. So there are some niche things through yeah. like USDA, for example. Um, but so, I mean, don't, don't not ask, sure. but they're just pretty few and far, yeah. um, on the bigger projects, um, Honestly, most in most cases, the applicant is going to be your city, county, or another mm-hmm. municipality, and it's really going to be about getting the kind of infrastructure that you need for your business to locate and be successful here. Sure. It's rarely going to flow directly to a for-profit, and honestly, um, the ones that tend to get dollars are the really, really supersized projects, and we've actually seen cases where... Um, those big, well-established entities, they don't even want to pursue it or they'll decline it because the rules of the one million out of the 10 million they need for their big project apply to the whole $10 million. And they just don't want to jump through those hoops of fire and deal with government compliance. Yeah, yeah. So, so true, so true. And the the work slowdown of... (laughs) of once you receive or accept those funds, uh, whether you're using your money or the government's money, uh, the the entire project has to slow down because now they consider all of the project funds their part of their compliance. So that is one of the things that I I definitely understand and and have had a lot of conversations about too. Uh, So... So what other funding opportunities are there? And I know that, Jen, you've been in the banking industry before, and that's part of your past life. Is there uh, capital development opportunities that are local, or is that something that, um, that either one of your groups help kind of guide people through if there is uh, something? Let's say that it's a restaurant owner that's looking for a property where they're wanting to re. Uh, renovate a building so that they can get their commercial uh, kitchen ready? So I always tell people, start with a traditional bank, Mm -hmm. you know, local, go in, be honest, lay it out, have something in writing, even if it's not a full-blown business plan, just even a summary and some financials would be helpful. And then one of the things that we have in our area that serves Uh, southernmost counties that's cool is we have what's called a CDFI or an intermediary relending, which only means we have an organization that gets dollars from the USDA that they can loan. And where they really help is 
let's say that you have a bank that's interested in taking that gamble on the new business, but they only want to loan 70% mm-hmm. and you only have 10%. Well, a lot of times Champion Community Investments, which is the group I'm talking about, they'll come in with the other 20% and they'll subordinate or take a second position to the bank. So the mm-hmm. bank likes it because they're not going all in and yeah. it helps the person out and you know the, it really is a tandem participation um, and those those are pretty cool when they come together yeah and so are there any pre-qualifications for that for is it really just the bank saying we're only going to be able to offer this x amount and then their next the the business owner's next step would be to contact someone like you or to go directly to champions and say this is all that the bank is willing to lend, and here's my business plan. And is that the, the flow of, of work there? Mm-hmm. So um, they do require that they have a decline letter. So either mm-hmm. it can be a full decline, you know, we can't get any money from any local banks, and they can approach champion communities, or they can get a limited or partial decline saying, we're willing to go 70 on this, 70% mm-hmm. on this dollar amount, but we need more of your skin in the game and that your can either be the borrower saving additional money towards the project or supplementing it with somebody like Champion Communities. All right. That's a huge, huge asset to this community, and that is uh, something that I'm sure that a lot of small businesses don't realize. Is it for um, mainly for capital development, or is it something, say, that they have a business, an existing business and they desperately need a renovation? Or um, are there certain specific pieces that are going to be covered through this program? So it can be for new or it can be to upgrade something existing, but very similar to how the traditional banks are going to behave and how the um, even grants are going to behave. Most of the dollars are going to be for either a physical structure Mm -hmm. or physical equipment. Okay. It's very, very, very hard to source ongoing working capital or just day-to-day dollars to sure. operate your business. And that doesn't matter if you're established, successful, or if you're just getting started. That is where you are going to have to make sure that you maintain your mm-hmm. own cash flow. Like people like myself that are debt intolerant, even though I was a mm-hmm. lender, you know, they, they get the temptation to snowball and just pay down all this debt, pay down. And that's great. It's a, it's a, a remarkable thing. I'm always tell them like, give it a year of understanding your expenses, writing out your property tax, writing out, you yeah. know, your insurance payments, and then decide if you have the capacity to start doing more aggressive debt reduction than, than what your payments require. Yeah. Because then you'll know if you can really do it because if you cut yourself on on cash flow and your ability to make payroll, your ability to buy inventory, yeah. no one's helping you. Right, right. No because one they're, is coming they're to They're saying uh, you don't have a business, and, and you're and, not going to have a business in a year if you if you're needing help with the the cash flow. So, and what is I your collateral? Right. I mean, it's money that just is going out in check form, but there's not an asset being purchased with it, like yeah. a building or equipment. Sure. Then you have something tangible that. God forbid the bank could liquidate if they had right. to. And I think that that's a really important to understand that there is a very big difference between operational costs that you should be responsible for as your business versus asset purchase to grow your business. Right. 
or make your business more efficient. And I think that that's a, a very clear distinction, and I appreciate you explaining that. I would also add on the business plan side. So that's something that um, the small business development centers can help with, <clears throat> but it's also something that can be a bit intimidating for businesses, no matter the size. And the financials generally are um, a piece of that. <clears throat> the financials generally are a piece of that. Uh, that can be intimidating. And what surprised us during COVID, and then I'll go back to the business plan, but what surprised us in our office during COVID is the number of businesses that came in for obviously for COVID assistance, which mm -hmm. was much needed, but as part of that, um, showing some financial, historical financials um, was really challenging for a lot of businesses, even those that, that have been in business for a long time and you would think they had it all together, right? Yeah. So a lot of times we've seen people who start businesses because they have a passion for something or they have a skill, but maybe that financial side or the marketing side or whatever is not their cup of tea. So we always encourage folks to take an assessment of that and bring in other people who can really help with those things. But the SBDCs and other organizations like that can be a partner in helping them to develop that business plan, helping with those financial projections, and helping them understand those numbers so that when they do go to the bank or they're, they're trying to assess where they're at, they're informed mm -hmm. and they have the right information. Yeah. So, And for somebody that's not a numbers person, mm -hmm. I think what you just said is probably very overwhelming to hear, you know, that it's like, oh, financial assessments mm -hmm. and, you know, analysis of my business plan and, you know, those sort of things that, that can be really intimidating. Mm -hmm. But your the goal of the Small Business Development Center is to sit down with you and to basically help you understand it and not make it so scary, right? Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, whether it's financials or anything else, I think one piece of advice I would give is no matter where you're at in the business process, if it's just an idea or if you've been in business a very long time, don't think you have to have it all together before you come and seek advice, whether it's from the SBDC, whether it's from a mentor, someone in the community, <clears throat> uh, someone like Jennifer who's in business development for a community, uh, don't think you have to have it all together because you don't have to go it alone. That's what these resources are out there for, right? right? So reach out, ask for help, those kinds of things. Um, I'll also add on the grant side. So as Jennifer said, uh, many times grants are not available or they're in very specific areas. So... <clears throat> For example, I just uh, provided a client the other day some information about a USDA um, grant, 250,000 reimbursable grant, um, but it was very specific to the dairy industry. So that's not gonna be for everyone and it's not sure. gonna be for every need. There are also um, funding opportunities out there called Sm Small Business Innovation Research or SBIR. So these are, non this is non-dilutive funding um, for research and development purposes, proof of concept. So these are really um, research heavy mm -hmm. um, funding opportunities, but they can be upwards of 250,000 for a proof of concept. Um, they are grants, non-dilutive funding, so they don't have to be paid back. Um, but how these funding opportunities come about is there are 11 agencies that receive federal funding and if they receive a certain amount, they are mandated 
to set aside a portion of that for small businesses. Kind of the downside to that sometimes is that communities in very small or rural areas sometimes get left out of the, those funding opportunities. And what we found is it's largely due to awareness, lack of awareness that they sure. even exist. So for anyone listening, sbir.gov, you can see what those are all about. Yeah. Reach out to your small business development centers. Reach out to um, another uh, office that I haven't mentioned yet, the Procurement Technical Assistance Centers, which help businesses with government contracts. Allison, you're very familiar <laughs> with the PTAC is what we call it. Yeah. Um, but that office helps businesses um, with government contracts, whether that is local, state, federal. Um, a lot of people think, well, that's not my business. You know, I, I wouldn't do mm-hmm. business with the government, but that could be anywhere from what office supplies and toilet paper all the way up to very specialized products and services. So that's really uh, an often missed opportunity as well. Yeah. I want to jump back to what you were talking about with the research and development grants because Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to make sure that our listeners understand that this research and development does not mean that you are in a laboratory doing experimental mm-hmm. research that this is, let's say, for example, my husband had um, had basically built a product and built a pr- prototype and got it to uh, industry. and But he could have, potentially, if it fell into the groups, uh, one of the groups that they sponsor, that he could have had that grant opportunity for all of the research and all the money that we put into Mm -hmm. the prototyping, getting it to the right manufacturer, getting the manufacturer to do the prototype, you know, the official prototype afterwards. And so all of those things um, with that type of research. So is it, is it for those types of things too? So let's say that you have a retail product idea that is not on the market yet and you would like so you know think shark tank for Mm -hmm. example you know you have some sort of product-based business idea that there's potential for research and development funds for that specific retail product sure so yes absolutely i'm glad you clarified that because so many times people hear the word research and they do think lab right yeah so if we kind of change that to um, the word innovation Mm -hmm. so an innovative idea and really it depends on whether it would be a good fit or not based on the agency and what their Mm -hmm. priorities are yeah so that would probably be a first step is diving into the agencies seeing what um their priorities are, what they're looking for, and then seeing if your idea matches up. Many of them have what's called program managers that mm-hmm. you can reach out to and just talk through um, your idea with so that yeah. you can get an idea. They can give you an idea if it's even going to be a good fit or not. Sure. Um, just to give you an idea of some of those agencies, so USDA, we already yep. mentioned, um, EPA is one, uh, Department of Defense obviously is a big one. Uh, Department of Education. So there are several agencies. Uh, National Science Foundation, they have several different categories, and then one of their categories is other, right? Wow. So uh, depending on what they're looking for, <laughs> sure, just about anything might fit into that. And they have a very unique um, way of entering into their program in that they require a project pitch um, mm-hmm. to be submitted in advance. It's basically four 
pretty short sections, and they will come back and say, yes, we want to invite you for a full proposal, mm-hmm. or no, this isn't a good fit. And what I like about that is, and again, that's the National Science Foundation. Every agency does it a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But what I like about that is it's not a lot of time invested because a full proposal is, I mean, it is a research proposal. So there's a lot to it. Um, But it does give you an opportunity and a kind of a lower barrier to entry um, to submit what you have. They say, yep, come on and let's submit a full proposal or not. And it sort of maximizes everyone's time. Um, Even if a full proposal is submitted, these are very, very competitive grants. But I can tell you that there's also a push right now for um, increasing access to rural areas, rural entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. to um, historically underrepresented entrepreneurs. So anyone, again, that's listening and is like, I've never heard of SBIR, check it out. Reach out to some folks. Um, um, the FAST centers, F-A-S-T, is another center or program uh, that also provides assistance for that. Okay, so let's say that I am a school teacher that sees a gap in a safety feature mm-hmm. and that I potentially have the opportunity to, uh, you know, I have, I have a solution in my mind mm-hmm. that is a product-based, based on safety, fe- uh, some sort of a safety feature for the s- school or classroom, that I could potentially go through the incubator program at SIU. You would touch base with maybe, maybe we would start out with the Department of Education, and if it doesn't work there, then maybe we could go to apply for the, uh, the science and the other category mm-hmm. as a base- basically an overall safety feature. Sure. Um, so it could potentially be in multiple different sectors, right? Like yes. different departments could potentially sponsor one product. Yes. Yeah, so you can only have one SBIR project uh, for the mm-hmm. same project going sure. at one time. You can't accept funding from multiple sure. agencies for the same pro- project. But yes, absolutely. It may fit into a number of different ones and it's just finding which one is best yeah. um, and, and the best fit. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into PTAC. Yes. Near and dear to my heart. I know it is. <laughs> so, uh, so PTAC stands for Procurement Technical Assistance Center. Yes. And that is for uh, those that are interested or maybe already currently uh, contracted with the government, mm-hmm. state or federal. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so you could probably do this even better than I could, honestly, because I know you have a lot of experience in that area. But you're absolutely right. So um, government contracts, there is a process to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it can be a tedious process. So the PTACs are there to help businesses understand where they fit, which, Mm which contracts might be a good match to their business, and how they get all the registrations in place, all of yeah. those types of things to make sure they qualify and are, are positioned to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, there are also certifications that PTAC can help with. And so uh, women-owned business, veteran-owned business, um, Hub Zone, which um, Southern Illinois yep. largely is, most areas are yep. part of a Hub Zone, um, historically underutilized yes. um, zones, business, business mm-hmm. zones. And so those are all certifications that businesses can also get as they're going um, 
toward and working toward these grants mm -hmm. that give them a little bit of an, uh, an extra edge uh, if it comes down to meeting uh, those percentages that that different ones are required to meet yeah. in those areas. Yeah, so in my past life, I was uh -huh. a PTAC consultant yes, and I absolutely love the program and it is very nuanced to um, very and, and very tedious process of the different paperwork that it takes to get to the to the right contracts that you're wanting to get. But uh, what I really was passionate about was those certifications for, you know, whether it was women-owned business, uh, veteran-owned business, service-disabled veteran-owned business, and the list goes on and on and on. What Minority-owned business. Minority-owned yeah. business, which is, a, is actually called a 8A uh, business in the federal world and then um, the minority-owned business in the state world. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's all different types of certifications. And if you do fall into those, um, especially in a retail business, um, what I found really interesting is now you can search and filter by those certifications on Amazon. So let's say that I am buying toilet paper or pencils or uh, you know whatever the case may be, I can actually filter through, maybe I wanna support just women-owned business or veteran-owned businesses, and now I can search through that through Amazon. So it, so the, uh, the opportunities that PTAC can help you with go slightly beyond whether or not you just want federal government contracts. Um, but we do have a lot of federal government opportunities in this mm -hmm. area. We do have a lot of um, contractors that are already working with the federal government in this area. So, uh, so yeah, that is a huge resource for people that are wanting to get into, into that program. Yeah, and I would just encourage businesses, if, if they don't know if this mm -hmm. is a good for, for them, again, just yeah. reach out to your local PTAC. They're all over yeah. the country. And just ask the question, you know, here's what I provide, here's mm -hmm. the products or services. Um, are there contracts out there that I yeah. would be a good fit for and how do I go about that? And that really could be a unique business expansion strategy that most yeah. people haven't even thought about. I mean, that's a huge customer. Yeah. Government can be a huge customer. So just something to consider. And again, something that a lot of people aren't aware of. So Yeah, yeah, it never hurts to ask because part of the PTAC program is doing that research for you. And let's say that um, I had a, a opportunity, I had a, um, a one person or a one woman, um, let's see, a type, uh, what is it called? The um, transcriber mm -hmm. for court system. Mm -hmm. And so she was retired, but wanted to continue working part-time. So she herself was interested in contact, contracting with the government, not anymore as a government employee, but for the federal government doing her uh, transcripting. And that was a one, one example of a service-based business, uh, a one-person service-based business that was well on her way to getting those government contracts. So, so yeah, it, there's an opportunity for everybody. Um, it may not be a good fit, but it never hurts to ask. That's right. Yeah. All right. So what else, what other programs are highlighted through the incubator or through the city of Marion? Sure. So um, one of the big things is we did a lot of asset mapping in my early days of being on staff because we don't want to reinvent the wheel. If we can refer yeah. them to Deb or one of the other organizations that she mentioned, that's what we want to do. We just want to fill the gaps when we talk about creating programs. So like one gap that we saw was just 
a written guide on starting a business in mm-hmm. the city. So we made that. It's a PDF you can get off of the city's website or I can send it to you. Um, somebody asked us about a um, disaster resilience recovery planning mechanism because um, they really felt like they were not now kind of on the backside of COVID. They felt mm-hmm. like they didn't really have a plan. And so it was a lot of pinch yeah. hitting. And we were able to actually resource from Greater Egypt. They'd already written such of a guide, and it's a really cool workbook that's fill in the blank. So we put that on our website. So just gathering any resource that we can. Um, a lot of what we do is kind of one-on-one consulting. You know, it's a brainstorming. You're if you get really lucky, the mayor is passing, and he pops in, and he's always <laughs> has great ideas because yeah. he was a business owner before he was a mayor, um, and then just just making the assumption not making the assumption that people know each other and so a lot of connecting dots and it can be a really small success story or it can be something really big and just to give you an example of a smaller one that that turned out really fun um we had a call from arla over at the sbdc at Mm -hmm. southeastern and she said hey i have a young man and his business is vintage shoes like jordans and all that stuff that i don't know about and uh, he wants to do some pop-up shops, and is there anything in Marion? And I kind of started down this road just as, like, is there a storefront we can get him in, some display yeah. area? And we're blessed because literally just across the street from City Hall, we have Ath Elite, which you've mm-hmm. had on the show, which does sports tourism and marketing and, and all of that. So. I had actually not met Sam. I just like stick my head in. I'm like, hey, I'm your neighbor. And what do you think about that? Well, he coaches um, basketball at SIC. So there was already this sort of natural connection to sports and whatever. And so as a result, um, Affordable Kicks has uh, traveled with them to Owensboro to a big basketball tournament. They've had a pop-up shop in their storefront next to Swinford Media. And I mean, it's like everybody's happy. And, 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 you know, I feel like if in the future Affordable Kicks needs a storefront, they're going to remember that the city of Marion and our team helped them, you know, further their business. So absolutely. That goes back to Jennifer being the master connector. (laughs) She is. Absolutely. The master connector. She connected us. She did. Yes. Yes, All of us. (laughs) But I love how you said you just popped in and said, hi, I'm your neighbor. Because I think, um, you know, one of the things with entrepreneurs, sometimes it can feel very lonely, right? And so just popping your head in and introducing yourself to other business owners um, or coming to Ethos um, or some of the other business incubators, chambers of commerce, anything like that, uh, not only helps you not feel so alone, but it creates this community that everyone needs. And so popping in and saying, hi, I'm your neighbor (laughs) is, is definitely the thing to do. So, and I think the other lesson I mean, don't be afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. be afraid to ask for an introduction, uh, mentorship, uh, you know, anything that you need. Just ask because there are so many well-established business people who have that willingness to help. And they remember when they were not, when they were just getting yeah. started. And they are so good. And even as I think about um, that filling gaps, looking for people, like I don't need to be the trainer. I mean, I will. I can figure it out if I have to go through my Go with Google training and all that. <laughs> but um, we also just resource. You know, we had 
a young man out of Jackson CEO that won a national pitch competition. And he yes, taught our business had him on here. This <laughs> how to do exciting. the pitch. Um, kind of talking about, you know, setting your budget in your, in your marketing plan or your business plan. I think, unfortunately, um, they're kind of related, but two things that are, can be the death of a business. One is bad inventory management, mm-hmm. um, especially in, unfortunately, restaurants is one yeah. that really has a hard time with that. Um, and the other is pricing. Pricing is so hard for people yeah. because they really want to look at their competitors in the market and just do what they're doing or yeah. a little up or a little down from that. And the issue is you don't really know what that person's overhead looks like. You don't know what their supply relationships look like. You don't really know anything about how they got to that price. And maybe they're not making money. Just because they have their name on a truck all over town doesn't mean they're making a profit. Right. And so it, it is the most challenging piece. And the other thing that I had to talk to people about when I was in lending, and I still talk about it today, is... What is your debt tolerance? Like you have to sleep at night and you yeah. and your your partner, spouse, whoever in your life has to be able to tolerate you as you try to tolerate whatever it takes to run a small business. And so um, like I have a guy that um, owns a small HVAC company. He is the king of margin and markup. Like I have watched him and I, I looks like Albert Einstein at the chalkboard, but he is so good about training other people. So I don't need, I mean, I'm, I can do it, but like, why would I not go to an existing business person and ask them if I got 10 people in the room, would you teach this class? And yeah. usually they say yes. And some great relationships and mentorships come out of even that. Wow, that's excellent. So are there any upcoming on-the-horizon workshops or things that people can come to and learn a little bit more about the programs or very specific uh, small business-based tactical resources? I would say as far as the SBDC side, um, at least at SIU, we have monthly how to start a business in Illinois for those folks who are just getting started. Uh, we also have an on-demand version on the website, and that's just sbdc at siu.edu. Um, most of the other um, offices have uh, various workshops, really depending on need. Mm-hmm. So I don't know of too many that say, okay, we're going to do this workshop in, in January and this one in sure. March. It's what are the needs that we're seeing and how can we best serve businesses right now? As a small business development center client, Mm -hmm. uh, I find it very helpful that once you're in that system, you can search for on-demand classes, so online classes that you can take whenever you want. Um, I've also set in on several classes, and I think very um, it has been very helpful, even, uh, even though I was already an LLC and already had an established business, it was so helpful to go through that workshop and just just to make sure that I had checked all the boxes that I needed to check. And there were a few things where I'm like, you know what? I'm not so sure I did this. I need to go back and double check. Sure. And those sort of things are so helpful for, for businesses, especially when you're you know, going from that crawl to walk stage and that you are walking, you're all, you know, you're in the business, uh, but it never hurts to go back and do some of these beginner courses 
just to make sure that you're you you have checked the boxes on everything that you do need to to have in place you know on the legal side on the Illinois side uh, things like that so those are really helpful but I I absolutely love looking through what opportunities there are and what uh, online classes that I could you know jump in and and check if whether it's uh, learning more about SEO, search engine op- optimization, or if it's learning a little bit more about, um, you know, how to do your finances a little bit better and cleaner and, you know, those sort of things. So that's that's been really helpful. So, Yeah, and I'm glad yeah. you brought up the word client, too, because that's sometimes kind of scary for some people. Like, what do you mean I have to sign up to be a client? What does that mean for me? What are my obligations? Yeah. But really, as you said, it just gets you into our system. Yeah. Uh, so that we can provide those no-cost confidential mm-hmm. services. And it also serves as a reporting function because we're funded through the U.S. Small Business Administration um, in Illinois. It's the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic mm-hmm. Opportunity. And then, of course, in our case, Southern Illinois University Carbondale. Yeah. So client uh, just means getting into our system yeah. so we can best help you. And when I was in PTAC, it was uh, through the same same groups in addition to the Department of Defense. Correct. And uh, my favorite saying as I, uh, with the no-cost obligation is that uh, you have prepaid for these services through yes. your tax dollars, uh, and that is why it is provided for free. So, um, you know, those are the benefits of paying, in, paying into those taxes how we get to these free services that are going to help the resource small small businesses. So yeah, and I would just add an, another resource in addition to what you might be able to get through your local city and through SIU and and the community colleges in our area. And that is, there are some really outstanding trade organizations. And the example that I'll use is in manufacturing, Mm -hmm. IMEC, Illinois Mm -hmm. Manufacturing Excellence Center. And now they have a partnership with the um, more membership-driven group, which is IMA, Illinois Manufacturing. And they do a ton of online courses. And honestly, they do a number of courses that are not even directly manufacturing. I've seen HR courses, branding, recruitment. I mean, they... I mean, even supply chain is helpful for everyone. As you know, yeah. mentioned, inventory can really be tough for people. So don't overlook, you know, yes, some of them have paid membership. Yes, some of them have paid courses, but they also have a ton of free content. And I think some of those bigger organizations, they are where I want to be in my goal, which is um, to have things recorded, trainings that end up on, you know, YouTube yeah. or, or whatnot. I think they are a few steps ahead of us in that, you know, they have a lot of online content that you can go back and rewatch um, through their social media channels and on their website. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up IMEC because they're also in our building. I was going to say, <laughs> they have a headquarters. And they are on my list, but not I have not gotten to them yet. So I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Did you want to add anything? No, about I think she did a beautiful job. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, can we talk about SI Made? Do you guys have information about the upcoming SI Made? I'm happy it's coming back in person. I'm happy they're going to stay at um, the pavilion in the city of Marion. It's great news. And I guess if I had one big compliment for Senator Fowler and the chambers and the different folks that work on that, and that is it really is a lasting relationship for many people beyond the weekend event. Mm -hmm. And I think 
people think of it as a, I can showcase my business to walk through consumers, and that is super important. But also the magic that happens at that event, day of and beyond, is really um, business people meeting other business people. So, you know, if I'm making soap wine candles, I meet you and then you th- you tell me, you know, oh, I have a heart for featuring Southern Illinois products in the properties I manage. Well, now I have a user. And then I meet Deb and she tells me, well, I grow grapes that make your wine. So now I have an in-market supplier in my supply chain. So there's Anything like that, you know, that gets a bunch of people who are doing business here in the same room, I just can't say enough nice things because it's about reaching new consumers, but it's also about building your network. Yeah, I'm excited about it because that's exactly what I want to do is network as a lodging Mm-hmm. Um, you know, company. And my biggest dream is not only to have local soaps and coffee and the things that I'm already purchasing from Amazon and be able to locally source those mm-hmm. things, um, but even artisans that sell their products that I would be able to offer that as, you know what, if you're, if you love this beautiful pottery, then I can give you exactly where it's uh, located in Alto Pass. And <laughs> so those are those are some really great opportunities of networking. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to share that you haven't already covered? I know you guys sent me a lot one, of notes. I have one thing, but I don't want to cut Deb short. No, go ahead. Okay. I have a last, I have a last comment. But. So I do have an ask of the audience, and that is um, we are... We are a point of contact, maybe fourth or fifth down the line, for sites. People do call our office and say, you know, I'm looking for a commercial kitchen or I'm looking for 6,000 square feet with a 20-foot ceiling, whatever. And I don't know why. I don't even care why your property, commercial property, is not listed. I don't care if it's a tax shelter you inherited. You hate realtors. Do not care why. Please let us know if you have inventory that we should know about because I can't connect you with an incoming business that wants to be here and help you fill your space if I don't even know it exists. Amen. Please let me know. (laughs) (laughs) That is a really good point because there, and we've talked about this before as you, um, you know, early on in your position with the city is that there is, there is absolutely zero consolidated commercial space uh, listing service of any kind. Uh, and that is something huge that would be so beneficial to small businesses. And well, that we're I, building it. Yeah, and it's on our I know website. That you're working on we're it. using um, the same platform that Intersect Illinois uses when they are courting people to come to Illinois. And it doesn't matter, but it's called Zoom Prospector. And I guess right now our our biggest misperception is what gets featured on there is not just city or county-owned property. Right. Um, you know, we have private listings on there. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we're not going to list your house right. or your, you know, little portable warehouse. But if you have substantial square feet, yeah. you know, that would be a draw for a large tenant, we need to know that it's here and available. And does it matter if they already have an MLS listing? Like if they're currently listed with a realtor, it can still be on that um, website? That's right. And honestly, I hate to say it, but 
the person that kind of does it best on that same platform is not local. They mm-hmm. they have a local agent, but they're really out of the St. Louis metro, but they have it figured out. And they so they have figured out how to connect their own custom brochures and presentations to that platform. And I mean, we're happy because they have property, they represent property in our area. We mm-hmm. just want all of our local yeah. realtors that have commercial property to be at that same game whether we my my dream would be to train them to do their own property maintenance because that's always going to be the most accurate yeah but in the meantime you know we'll we'll walk it through and we'll get it on there and um, we just we just need more listings because when I you know when I have to go drive around, I'm just not going to find everything. Sure. And if, if let's say, I have a property that I'm not willing to sell, but it is vacant and I am willing to lease it, 100%. Uh, that is also available to be on there. Yes. And if it's a, let's say it's a micro shop and it's maybe only, uh, let's say, a 1,000 square feet versus a 6,000 square foot building um that's still available to be on there it is available the only i always want to manage expectations sure and one it might even be a little lower priority of how quick i can get it on there because i have too many irons in the fire but the 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 real challenge honestly is um the big site selecting organizations, whether it's Intersect, DCEO, or even if you think about a Jones Lang LaSalle, JLL, um, big brokerage out of Chicago or whoever, a lot of times they're filtering their results sure. and they're filtering for high square footage or high yeah. ceiling or dock doors. or So yeah. we'll put it out there, but I don't want ever somebody to think, well, tomorrow my phone's going to start going crazy because now the whole state and country knows I have my property available. It's just, you know, even Amron has a whole team developed to economic development. Well, who does Amron want to land in that building? High uh, utility users. Sure. So they're going to filter their results and they're going to be really trying to get manufacturing and healthcare and people who are super high users of utilities. That's going to be who they're going to chase. So it's not a level playing field. Yeah. It's just... And on the flip side of that, are there is there a consolidated area where people can find businesses for sale? So let's say that there is a uh, a small business owner that's willing or ready to purchase, but they would rather have a turnkey business mm-hmm. uh, versus building their own business. Is there somewhere that you would recommend that they look? Um, so there is um, Robin Russell, who you all may know from, used to be at SIU and mm-hmm. actually runs Champion Community Investment. She has a for-profit business where she does business valuations and lists businesses for sale. Okay. Outside of that, if they're not her client, it's really hard to find. Yeah. Um, sometimes you see them buried in the realtor notes and you because you yeah. think you're looking at a building, but you're, they're really trying to sell lock, stock, and barrel. Uh-huh. Um, so that would be... A, Definitely on my goal list because we're looking at the silver tsunami. We're looking at 70% of small businesses owned by baby boomers who want to go to the Florida. Yeah. And uh, the, the issue is many of them do not have an heir, whether that is child, niece, nephew, whatever, that has yeah. grown up in that business that feels a calling to, to maintain that business. 
And for many of them, they don't have a key man, key woman who's been a a high-level manager who has financial wherewithal who can buy that business out either because people are changing careers seven times in their life. Sure. So they don't have that 30-year golden watch employee who can... And and it it is very, very scary um, for small towns and especially that we may lose legacy businesses that have a 30, 50, 70, 100 year history because mm-hmm. there is no new generation that wants it. Wow. That's really interesting. And I, I know that there's um, a couple of national websites out there mm-hmm. that you can list on, but I didn't know if there was anything local. So we'll put that, we'll so, put that in the show notes when I do find what those national ones are yeah. in case anybody has a listing that they do want for sale in the area. I would just also add for those legacy businesses, even if they don't have an heir or they don't have a man or woman as part of their shop that wants to take it over to really encourage them to think creatively about how they can pass that on to someone who can carry on that vision. And the way I always describe it is if they don't do that, It's almost like saying they've worked their entire life for a company and they get to retirement and then they say, no, I I don't want my retirement account, right? Because this is a business that they built up. This is a brand. This is their legacy. And so to just shut the doors is not only um, damaging to the community and a shame for the community, but it's, it's, uh, it hurts that family. So I would encourage folks to think outside the box and think creatively about how we can pass these legacy businesses on to the next generation to carry on those visions and grow um, those businesses in their community. And if you have a beloved pizzeria that you want to see stay or whatever it is, you know, you don't have to run it like the last three generation. You can be innovative. You can think outside the box. You can bring your new creative ideas and connections. Yeah, absolutely. All right, ladies, how in the world do we get a hold of you guys for any questions related to anything that we talked about or that we haven't covered? Because I know that there's probably a hundred other things that you guys we could talk about. Well, I keep my LinkedIn up to date. And if so, if you click on the contact box, that's a good way to find me. I work at City Hall, so I'm pretty easy to catch for the most part, especially beginning or end of the business day. Yeah. And so just uh, walk in, call up there, or the best most direct route is to get either my email or my cell phone off of LinkedIn. Okay. And your LinkedIn profile is? Oh my gosh. Jennifer Olson with an... 618. Oh yes. Olson with an O-N. O-N. Which I think is Swedish, not German, but I don't know. I have to ask my husband. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, great. So City Hall is one of the contacts. And then we can also find you on LinkedIn, Jennifer Olson with an O-N at the end. Yes, and it either starts or ends with 618. We can put that in the Six, notes. 618, Jennifer Olson. <laughs> yeah. All right, great. And Deb? Yep, I'm also on LinkedIn. It's Deborah, O-R-A-H-R. My middle name's Renee Barnett. So Deborah R. Barnett. So you can find me there. But also, if you're wanting to connect directly with the SBDC, particularly the one at SIU, it's just sbdc at siu.edu. Or the phone number is 618-536-2424. If listeners are anywhere else in the country, they can just go to sba.gov and select local assistance. And there's a map that shows all of the SBDCs around the country, even the PTACs, the FAST centers, all of those um, no-cost services. Yeah. There's even import and export yes. services. International trade, everything you yes. can imagine. Yeah. And I think the nearest one is at Champagne. 
that's closest to our area that has import export and international trade. Yep, and there's also the one ITC at International yep, Trade Center. SIU Edwardsville has one as well. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. very good to know. So yeah, so any any type of uh, resource that you need, there's some there's something nearby. Yes. So all right, well, ladies. It was fantastic was talking fun. to you. Yeah. This was really fun. I know that we could just, we could talk all day. Yes. Um, I would like to thank again our sponsors, Fowler Heating and Cooling, Arcadia Wealth Management Group, Black Diamond Harley-Davidson and RV, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, Swinford Media Group, and Union Street Arts with our producer, Luke O'Neill. Again, thank you so much for listening. And please give us a subscribe where you'll receive notifications wherever you listen to podcasts as they are released every two weeks. Again, I'm your host, Allison Hassler with Southern Illinois Vacation Rentals. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time.